there's a reaction of anticipation that is triggered when a situation that is at risk for our safety is perceived. Preparing the body to face danger, which can evoke the freeze, flight, fight, and fright reactions, dramatically impairing one's life. In this episode of Keep It 100, we tackle the monster of fear and give a blueprint for how to break through. Stay tuned to the end for our special guest who will give a breakthrough key to overcoming fear in your life. Hi, this is Matt. I just want to tell you that Keep It 100 is 100% the real deal. For those of you needing some voices of wisdom in your life that are culturally relevant, prophetically accurate, and spiritually powerful, look no further than Sean and Krista Smith. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, we are so excited you're with us this week. What's going on, everybody, everybody? As you know, it's Sean and Krista Smith. We're super excited about our time with you today, and we are talking about a topic that we feel like is critical for this hour. Right, Sean? Yes, yes, yes. It's, in fact, the street everybody's living on right now. It really is, and it's we're calling it Fear, Phobias, and Anxiety. And for any of you listening today, I tell you what, I think there's a key for many of you that are listening today because it's an issue that a lot of people struggle with. But you got to start off, start us off with this, Sean, because you found some hysterical phobias and they were cracking me up and I just thought they'd be perfect for our listeners to hear. That is true. You know, there are in fact some 280 known phobias, depending on who you ask. And so here are some interesting ones. One is called chatophobia, which is the fear of hairy people. <laughs> Okay, there are certain nations you just need to avoid then. My my goodness, right? Or you become like a perpetual partner of laser, right? Because you're like, you are the most hairless person. That waxing tape stuff that you just rip it off your back? No, just laser it. Just laser it, people. All right, here's another one. Bromoseophobia (laughs) is the fear of body smells. Man. I mean, again, just don't do public transport. That's all I'm saying. I think I can. I had had a little bit sometimes. <laughs> you do. I'm you like, have like the most intense sense of smell. I do. Like you're I very, you're very dialed into that. That's hilarious. All right. Here's another one. Electrophobia is the fear of chickens. Oh my gosh. Okay. Right. Because chickens can live without their head for, for like a minute or so, or a few minutes. I saw that. I did too one time when I was a little kid. My dad told me not to look. Of course I looked. And that would make you afraid of chickens. Yep. But all I got to say is Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I don't have a fear of chickens. <laughs> Can you imagine being a chicken of chickens? That's like, okay, that's another conversation. All right. Here's a legit phobia. Now, I don't admit to phobias, but this is legit. It's called chemophobia. It's the fear of cold. That's for real, y'all. I don't like cold water. I don't like cold weather. If there's white stuff on the ground, let me just say at 32 degrees Fahrenheit, water isn't moving, neither should Sean. That's okay, fun, my philosophy. You know I have to add this. You know I do. Fun fact, whenever we're in super cold areas and we come out of the hotel and our rides to pick us up to go to a service, if it's like in the teens, zeros below, Sean will instantly start speaking out in tongues because he can't even find like English because he's so overcome with the coldness. That's true. It's so cold. <laughs> Man, I got to do something. <laughs> Now, here's one last one I think people could also relate to. It's called antenthophamophobia, which is the fear that people were talking about you, but stopped as you entered the room. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a terrible feeling if you think that's real, but to have a phobia of it, because then you'd be believing that everyone's talking about you, like every conversation's oh, wow. about you. And if anything ever happens to stop, you're like paranoid. 
They say, according to Chapman University, who recently took a survey of American fears, they say 47.5% of Americans are afraid or very afraid of the outcome of the 2020 election. How key is that right now? I think because there's such extremists on both sides, I think everyone's kind of afraid and that apprehension of how the other side's going to respond, right? Yes. I mean, I think there's just a real uncertainty that is what's going to be the feel of our country? How are we going to feel stable? That's for real. You know, you watch any regular news service, you're looking to social media feeds, and the likelihood is that you will be bombarded with reports and posts that will raise your pulse. Mm. To date, mass media insurance companies, pharmaceutical corporations, advocacy groups, and politicians, for them, your fear is worth billions of dollars. Wait, what? Billions of dollars, sad to say. And for them, it's easy to manipulate your fears. Mm. The truth is, is that we're hardwired to respond to fear above many things, which is probably one of the reasons why God lets us know above all else, fear, we should fear the Lord, have a reverence for the Lord, because when you have a reverence for God, it subjugates all other fears. You know, we're seeing so much fear integrate the different spheres of society right now. I mean, it's it's infiltrated not only news, media, blogs, websites, conspiracy groups, whatever you want to call it. It's like it can consume you, it can depress you, it can lead you into poor decision making, make you prone to knee-jerk reactions, make you very reactionary versus logical and rational. Fear can also incite hatred, violence, and even cause societal setbacks, which we've seen in this 2020 season of our life. And what's really interesting is we're seeing such a rise of anxiety, fear, and phobia. And there's really some stats to prove it. That's why we really wanted to talk about this today, because we know there's some listeners today that are dealing with very real anxieties, fears, and phobias. And there is freedom in the Lord, but we want to kind of break it down. What are we dealing with today? An estimated 264 million people worldwide uh, have an anxiety disorder. An estimated 31.1% of U.S. adults experience any anxiety disorder at some time in their lives. An estimated 19.1% of U.S. adults have had anxiety disorder in the past year. And anti-anxiety medical prescriptions have spiked 34% during this pandemic time. Anti-anxiety. How many people are just freaking out? Understandably, you're looking at the situation of the pandemic. You're looking right. at the situation of economic downslide. You're looking at the uh, situation of civil unrest. You're looking at the upcoming election. Right. You're looking at family crisis. You look at all that and you think, man, another 34% of people are on That's med so prescriptions. Mm. That brings us to this interesting fact. And here is a word of the day. It's called amygdala. Let me explain it to you. The amygdala is the name for your brain's fear center. The amygdala is a tiny almond-shaped region deep in each hemisphere of the brain, and it's the home to our emotional responses, specifically fear. So now they've developed a term called amygdala hijacking, and it's used to describe inflammatory rhetoric and imagery that is designed to trigger it before the logical portion of your brain has a chance to stop it. And so amygdala hijacking is the admitted abuse of certain news media or certain people with certain agendas to try to provoke fear inside of you because they can get you in a point of fear that they can get you to begin to move towards things or react towards things without giving things the deep thought. And so the reason why we're susceptible is author Frank Ferretti accurately states in one of his books, he argues that one of the main drivers of our culture of fear, he says we have a culture of fear and he says one of the main reasons why we have a culture of fear is the unraveling of Mm. moral authority. In other words, fear creeps in when there's moral uncertainty. 
Think about that. That is a Selah moment. That's like a sit there, think about that. When there is moral uncertainty, fear increases. Yes. Right? When you remove the absolutes, right? And people are like, what is right? What is wrong? Right? There is this apprehension, anxiety. There's a fear that increases. We used three words in our title today to really discuss in this episode. And we titled it, you know, phobias, fears, and anxiety. But we want to kind of break down what is the difference between those three things. Phobias simply are an excessive fear and anxiety related to specific situations out of proportion to the actual danger. So it's an exaggerated response to a situation. So you're responding at a 10 when it's really a two. Fear is natural when people feel they're in imminent danger. Fear is a natural response, but anxiety is defined as apprehension without an apparent cause. So those three definitions really help us understand what we're talking about and why we're talking about it. Those definitions are helpful because a lot of times we discuss things and we don't come in agreement in terms of what they're defined by. Right. So when you think about the fears, phobias, anxieties, which I'll kind of lump for a moment and just call it fear in general. There are three effects of fear, and these are three reasons why this episode, I believe, can be very crucial. Number one, fear will keep you from loving. That when you have fear in your life and the enemy uses fear, I believe so much today of what really, when it lands on the ground as racism, I believe it really begins with fear that the enemy tries to put unnatural fear that because I'm afraid of you or because I'm afraid of people that are different than me because of the fears that's in my life, it keeps me from loving. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Well, I believe the opposite is also true, that perfect Fear will cast out love if you allow fear to stay there. The second effect of fear is that fear will keep you from living. It will cause paralysis. That if you allow Mm. fear to stay in your life, that it will not only keep you from loving, it will keep you from living. That you don't take necessary opportunities that are afforded to you because you're afraid that you may fail. You have this fear and so all of a sudden insecurities set in and as a result of the insecurities, you feel insufficiencies and insufficiencies lead to inadequacies and inadequacies lead to illegitimacies. Ooh. It goes on and on Come and on, on. before so you good. know it is that you're paralyzed. You're not leaving the house. I think there's even a phobia called agoraphobia, which is the fear of open places. And then third of all, the third effect of fear is fear will keep you from leaving your comfort zones. And fear ultimately will make you a prisoner because you'll always do what you've always done because you feel like you know what you'll get. You you know the sample run of your your well-worn customs, but at the same time, you're not going to step into the new thing God has for you because you're trapped in the old. And so it's so important that we break fear and that we're tackling this monster. Oh man, that is so good. I love hearing the effects because when you hear how something negatively affects you, it puts a fire in you of like, I'm not going to allow that influence on my life, right? Because that's not connected or agrees with the identity of who God's called me to be. You know, something I really wanted to bring to this episode, because I think a lot of our listeners will probably be able to relate to me because fear is so prevalent. It's definitely something that I saw throughout a lot of my life. And it really began to manifest as a young girl. I had an absolute fear of spending the night at people's homes. And I found myself just so homesick at sleepovers and birthday parties. And I would go over there wanting to be social and have fun. But I found myself absolutely terrified. And I wouldn't have known at the time that I was actually having a panic attack, but I was overcome with the fear that I just needed to get home to be with my parents. And through a sequence of events, I found myself feeling unsafe at other people's houses and I just wanted to get home. And that 
fear um, really affected me for a few years during my elementary years to the point where I remember being at my friend's house during one of the sleepovers that I was, you know, at that time. And I remember being on the top bunk of her, one of her, of her bunk bed. And I remember thinking if I, if I throw myself off the top of the bunk bed and I hurt myself, I, it might be worth it because I just want to get home. And I remember thinking how illogical that would be. Just go wake up her parents and get her parents to call my parents. But I didn't want to be a burden. You know, I didn't want to put anyone out. But I, the fear was so real. I just had to get out of there. And it's amazing. When you are in sheer panic, you will do anything to get out of that situation. I found myself as a little kid just not even wanting to spend the night at anyone's house anymore. And then fear kind of goes dormant. But if you don't deal with fear in your life, even if it's dormant, it doesn't mean it's resolved or done or broken. And That's then... Good. Fear manifested again in my 20s and it looked like panic attacks. It looked like phobias. I I found myself, if there was any symptom in my body that I thought it was worst case scenario, I would see, you know, a mole. I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's skin cancer or I'd have a pain. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening or that is happening. And I spent so much time and money actually and emotional worry and concern. And I wasted so much space and time in my life obsessing over fear. And and I wanted to bring that fear has many different faces. And fear is not logical, it's not rational, and but the reality is so many of us deal with it. And because it was dormant for a period of my life, and yes, I had breakthrough in that one face of fear, when it resurrected itself again in my 20s, I had to figure out new methods and ways to actually uproot fear. And I had to get to the root of it in order to actually have it broken in my life. And there's a difference between something being dormant and something being broken. And we Ooh. want things to be broken in your life because God, I, I love this. He gives us the, the ability to walk in full freedom from fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were some real practical things that I feel like the Lord took me on this journey. My mom was so instrumental in helping me walk through the freedom. But one of the things I discovered was I had to experience expose the private battle I was in. The the more hidden and the more secret I was embarrassed about my fear. I didn't want anyone to know my struggle. I came across as this confident, strong woman, and yet I felt very vulnerable, very susceptible to fear, and very overcome by fear. And in that vulnerability, I felt so weak, and I, I hated that feeling, and yet I felt so alone in the privacy of the battle. It's when I exposed the darkness of my battle, I exposed the demonic thoughts, the harassing, tormenting things that were coming at me. And I brought someone into my battle, which was my mom and some of my really close friends at that time. And I brought to light what was happening in the dark places. And so when I brought to light, it exposed. And I remember sharing the silly thoughts or this fear is irrational. It's silly. It's, it's ridiculous. And when I brought those ridiculous things, I was hearing the enemy whisper and I said them out loud, I would hear how stupid they were. And all of a sudden they lied lost their power because I brought darkness, the whispers of the enemy to light. And when you bring darkness to light, it loses its power. And then I had someone speak truth to me. So I'd say to my mom, speak truth to me. She'd remind me of who I am in Christ Jesus. She would remind me what the word of God says. She would remind me of who God is. And when I heard truth, all of a sudden it would shift me out of that spiral place and it bring me to a place of freedom. And so I just learned, don't do it alone. Bring God into your journey and bring your community, your spirit 
spiritual community, people that are more mature than you, that can walk the journey with you. You know, the real second practical thing I felt like really brought me to a place of breakthrough was it's really kind of connected to what I just said, declaring who God is. I really began to learn through my mom what the blood covenant was. And I learned it was actually illegal for the enemy to harass or torment me. And then I also learned that Jesus had already defeated everything on the cross. I didn't have to win anything. So the pressure was off me to win anything. And so all of a sudden I realized it's already been defeated. So I enforced the blood covenant of Jesus over my fears, over the anxieties that I was being riddled with at that time. And it also came when I just whispered four simple words that were Jesus come Satan flee. And those simple four words were establishing who God is and the, and the authority of Jesus Christ, because the enemy has no power and he certainly has no authority. And when I established who Jesus was and is, Satan had to flee. And you know, it talks about in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. By me establishing those four words, which sometimes it felt like I had to do over and over and over, but eventually the devil had to flee from me. Why? Because I was establishing that I was rooted and grounded in Christ, that I was covered by the blood of the lamb, and I was enforcing the covenant I was in with Jesus, and the enemy cannot stay. And the last thing I really learned in breaking anxiety and walking through freedom in my life, really getting that root of fear, was I refused to get on the what if train. Because you know, the word of God talks about don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble for itself, but today the Lord is going to cover you today. And so for me, it was don't borrow and focus on hypotheticals. And that was the what if train that mm. woo, woo, come aboard, go to the most catastrophic worst case scenario, which is never going to leave me in a good place. That's and good. so when I don't have control over something, you know, the word of God talks about when you've done everything you know to do, mm. just stand and stand in the armor Say of God, that. stand in the blood of Jesus and stand on who Christ Jesus is. And I begin to walk in a greater level of resting in God and the anxiety had to leave me. Those are some practical things that I felt like I experienced in my own journey that I want to share with the Keep It 100 tribe. Come on, get off that train. I love that. That is so powerful. My story as it relates to fear is that I would really kind of characterize my fear as kind of the fear of fully going public. I think growing up without a dad, one, growing up uh, being raised by an alcoholic, two, and then a mom uh, who's working a lot, so I'm not really uh, seeing her a lot during the daytime hours, and of course at night, I'm sleeping, she's she's working. I, I think I'd really developed some insecurities and uh, I just wasn't confident in myself. And so there's a German proverb that says, fear makes the wolf bigger than he is. Mm. And I think that's what fear that's really so does. It makes whatever it is that you feel like you've got to face down, it, it feels that much bigger. So I remember right when I gave my life to the Lord, my campus pastor, he, he wanted to meet me in the middle of the student union and we were going to have like a, a little sandwich together and he was going to have our first discipleship time. And so while we're there out in the middle of student union, there's three levels. And so there's students all around. It's, it's crowded. It's a student union. People are hanging out. And so it was just my campus pastor, Donnie. He loved to do this. He loved to grab hands, like literally grab hands and pray. Like I had blessed food before, you know, my grandmother blessed the food, but we didn't necessarily hold hands while we did it. But also 
man, being from inner city Oakland, I'm about to grab a dude's hands out <laughs> in the middle of public and bless food with everybody looking. But it was huge because it was like a baptism mm. into fully identifying with Christ. I mean, That's this, so good. My, my water baptism, I was less conscious about than grabbing a, a dude's hands in public and blessing wow. the food. And so he put his hands out and it was a quick snap judgment. I grabbed his hands. I closed my eyes. I didn't want to look at who's looking. And, and it felt like the whole world was looking. He blessed the food. But I think it was so important because I've noticed something interesting. Our greatest struggles with fear always have a significant relevance to what God is calling you to do. Mm, Perhaps I could best put it this way. Fear always stands as an obstacle to fulfilling the call of God on your life. And so I'm thinking about the fear of fully going public. Well, that's totally what the call of God is on my life. And, And for that matter, it's the call on every single believer's life. But the funny part about it is when I conquered the grabbing the hands uh, fear, and that, and that was something I'd wrestle with. Uh, within one week, I was standing up in the same same student union and, and giving my testimony impromptu. I wasn't even organized by my student minister. I just stood up and felt like I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. So I go from being afraid to hold hands with a guy one minute to the next minute, stand up in front of my campus and, and sharing the gospel. But then I would feel it again. There'd be another time where I'd stand in front of fraternity and I was kind of a little embarrassed about what I believed. And then I just being, I remember being reminded that all the opinions of all men of all time added up all together will equal absolutely zero zilch, goose eggs, nada. The only thing that matters is what I'll do for Christ. From that, I've discovered three things that there are three major causes where fear and anxiety slip in and and begin to rob you of an exploit. Number one is when you focus on your circumstance. Fear always comes when you focus on your circumstance. Whenever you look at the circumstances, I look at all the people around me who don't know the Lord and I'm the only one that does know the Lord. Or I look at, man, all the people and how vociferous and and how antagonizing they are towards the gospel and and whatever cause they stand for. But you always open the door for fear if you focus on your circumstances rather than focus on your God. David defeated Goliath because he said, "I I don't come at you today in a sword. I come at you in the name of the Lord. And so he focused on God. The second, I think, major cause where fear or anxiety can slip in is when you focus on past failures. I think a lot of my life, I focus on past failures. And I, and I feel like there's somebody listening right now that you have beat yourself up because of past failures and your fears that you will repeat the cycle once again. You have a fear of failure and a fear that what happened in the past will happen again. But I'm telling you, God always brings a new day. God makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Then he brings a new day. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. God changes things. So don't focus on failures. Focus on what God intends to do through you. And last and final is many people focus on unresolved issues. And we're all a progress. We're all we, we might as well have a, a under construction sign on our chest at any given moment. God is always at work on us, but you don't focus on your unresolved issues. You focus on your identity in Christ, which is solidified, which is established. You may not, your emotions may try to tell you otherwise, but the truth be told is when Jesus calls you the righteousness of God, it is your designation. When he says you are a son or daughter of the most high God, that is your designation. Keep it 100 Tribe, we've got a super surprise for you guys. It's so good. My next friend that we're going to introduce right now is a friend of Krista and I both. He is one of the most profound prophetic evangelists I know. This guy has been used in Coliseum events. 
He's been used to raise up teams that have canvassed with prophetic evangelism at major outreach rallies. He travels across the nations. And my great friend is this mighty revivalist and evangelist, Richie Seltzer. You're going to enjoy him. Listen. Hey, everybody, keep it 100 tribe. You are in for a special treat. And so, Richie, how you doing, man? Man, I'm so good, man. So good to be with you. Love being with you. And uh, man, you're such a pioneer. It's such an honor to be on Keep It 100. Come on, buddy. That's All right, right Richie. Well, I got this question. I know our viewers will so profit from your wisdom and your response to this. Here's the question, Richie. You ready? What do you do when fear hits, but you know that God has an exploit for you? Man, I like to tell people this. The Bible clearly tells us. You know, Billy Graham would always say that. The Bible tells us in Romans that you have not been given a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've been given the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. And in another place in Timothy, it tells us you've not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Both places, it describes fear as a spirit. So when when the body of Christ gets this simple revelation that fear is a spirit and it's not yours, it changes the game. You know, when I feel fear, I'm not afraid. People like to say that all the time. I'm afraid. I'm just afraid. No, 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 no. If you're in Christ, you can't be afraid. It's not your identity. You're a child of God. Perfect love cast out all fear. You just feel fear. When you feel fear, if you immediately recognize it's not who you are, then you recognize it as an invitation. The dogs of doom bark the loudest at the door of your destiny. And so when you feel fear, it's actually an invitation into an encounter. So I like to tell people this. If I feel fear, everybody's getting Jesus. Oh, everybody's going to get the gospel. Love that. Because I know the enemy's trying to hide my destiny. He's trying to hide an encounter from me. That is so good, man. That is so good. Do you have any examples where God asked you to do something and it was a bit out of the norm, man, and you had to, you had to conquer that foreign spirit of fear that the enemy tried to put on you. Yeah, man. Uh, many, many times, you know, because here's the thing. Courage isn't the absence of the feeling of fear. Courage is not letting fear tell you what to do. Just because you feel fear doesn't mean that it's yours. And so oftentimes I'll feel fear. I'll feel the fear of failure. I'll feel the fear of, man, I'm going to get laughed at or I'm not going to have the right words to say. But in the middle of that, if I... If, if I'll run through the fear and not from the fear, then oftentimes I find that God shows up in those moments. When I come to the edge of my ability, then his ability takes over. And so I remember one time I was in a cafe. We weren't there on an outreach. We were just me and my buddy. And um, we step out of the cafe and we see this couple screaming and yelling at each other. I mean, it's a bad argument. I mean, her neck vein is even bulging out. They're screaming at each other. The spit's flying. And, you know, common sense tells you, leave them alone. Like, this is not a good time to tell tell them about Jesus, you know? <laughs> like, right. Um, but, you know, I have this core belief that there's not a problem in the world that doesn't have a solution. And even though I don't know what the solution is, my best friend does. It's the Holy Spirit. Mm. And, and like I said... Oftentimes, your greatest encounter will happen when you put yourself in a position to where if God doesn't show up, it ain't going to turn out very good. So I, I didn't know what I was going to say. All I knew is there was a problem 
And, um, and so I walked up and I knocked on the window and I immediately began to feel fear because the dude was, looked like the rock, man. I mean, he had <laughs> muscles upon muscles. He was angry, this skinhead looking dude with like tattoos everywhere. And, and he was angry at his girl at first. And now he's angry at me. He's looking for somebody to take some anger out on, man. Wow. I mean, wow. My heart's racing. I'm like feeling the fear. But at the same time, I have this quiet confidence that this is going to turn out good if I put Jesus in this position where he's got to show up. Amen. I remember what I end up doing is I knock on the guy's window. He turns around and he's like, what? What do you want? You know, and and I'm like, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to say. I went into like emergency tongues on the inside. I don't know if anybody, (laughs) you know, listening can identify with that when you don't know what to do. Oh yeah. I'm like, oh God, 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 you got to tell me something. If you don't tell me something, I'm going to make it up, you know? And, uh, (laughs) And suddenly I just get this simple little phrase that goes through my heart. I like to tell people oftentimes that's how God's voice is. It's like this still small voice on the inside. And I heard this great evangelist one time in the past tell me that the secret place is the practice place for the marketplace. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. And and I just recognize that still small voice. And 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 I, I remember I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. He said, ask him about his daughter and tell him important to her life. I mean, when you put yourself in those positions where when you feel fear and you don't know how it's going to work out and you put yourself in that position, like I like to tell people, it's like the sandlot. You throw your hat over the fence, you know, like ain't no return. Like it's it's the place of no return. I've stepped over the edge like Indiana Jones. Like I put myself in that position. You don't have time to overanalyze things. You just got to go with it, you know? And, uh, And I remember I was just like, hey, do you have a daughter? And the dude was like, yeah. Yeah, why do you ask? And and I'm like, this might sound crazy, man, but I'm a Christian and God spoke to me to knock you on your window and ask you about your daughter. And I know you're arguing with your girl and whatever, but I don't want to be disrespectful, but the Lord told me to tell you that you're important to her life. And the dude starts weeping. Oh my gosh. And, and I mean, he's uncontrollably weeping and crying. And he's like, today we were going to commit couple suicide. And we were arguing about what we were going to do with our daughter when we were gone. Oh my. And then I was able to share the gospel and the guy gave his life to Christ instead of committing suicide straight up bro like amazing the dude gave his life to christ but i like to tell people this even more than that sean courage inspires courage yes and um you know you'll see this all throughout scripture with david and with different ones throughout scripture somebody steps out in boldness and it and it inspires the the armies of god to, to follow the lead my friend tom turned around and I mean, he saw that whole thing happening and he turned around. He looked for the first moving target in the parking lot, bro. And he saw this dude like with a Walkman on. Oh, I totally uh, know. I had one back in the day. Yeah, man. That dude was trucking across the parking lot, smoking a cigarette. And uh, my friend Tom's like, hey, hey. You know, he's calling, yelling at this dude across the parking lot. And the dude's like either ignoring him or, or can't hear him or is like deaf or something. And my friend Tom takes off running, bro, after this dude because courage inspires courage, man. He's, this dude's like, gotta tell somebody about Jesus now. And he taps that dude on the shoulder and and the dude turns around and is like, what, what do you want? You know, like, why, why are you stopping me? 
And my friend Tom, he says he doesn't know what he's going to say. He ain't thought that far yet, you know. <laughs> and I like to tell people this, Sean. Whenever you don't know what to say, just tell a testimony. Be locked and loaded with like an arsenal of testimonies. Amen, bro. You're ready in season and out of season. My friend Tom doesn't know what he's going to say. So he just tells this dude, hey, you'll never believe what just happened over there. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells this guy what just happened. And the dude starts weeping. He's like, stop it. My way to kill myself right now. Oh and my. Tom shares his testimony of which he was delivered of methamphetamines and, and drug addiction and gang life. And the dude gives his life to Christ. So three people in less than 20 minutes give their life to Christ simply because two guys were drinking coffee and would not bow down to the spirit of fear. Richie, bro, can't thank you enough, dude. That was so powerful. Dang, man, that's great, dude. Love you, man, and Chelsea. Bless you, bro. That was so good. Richie's perspective is so profound, and I love, love, love the takeaway, it's not yours because it's not your identity. And I feel like for all of the Keep It 100 tribe, that is such an essential takeaway from Richie's, what he downloaded. Of course, he said so much more than that, but that was just a really significant takeaway for me. I mean, that was so good. That was awesome. Richie just brought revelation. As always, Keep It 100 Tribe, we want to give you five Keep It 100 takeaways that we believe will help you as it relates to defeating fear in your life. And the number one thing that I want to begin with is that you need to reevaluate your expectations. When I say reevaluate your expectations, what I mean is your fear is a habit that's been ingrained in the way you think, feel, and act for a long period of time. And sometimes you just have to patiently apply the word of God, pray, stand before God, do all the things that you would normally do, but recognize sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it's not like fear disappears the very moment you decide that you don't want it in your life. Sometimes if you've had fear in place for a long period of your life, decades of your life quite possibly, that sometimes it may take a while, but understand this, you do have the victory. You will achieve the victory. If you don't quit, the enemy's going to be the one scurrying off uh, into the shadows, not you. And so the first thing to understand is reevaluate your expectations and what I love to say oftentimes is sometimes you reevaluate your expectation, but you strengthen your motivation. Yeah. You know, a real practical takeaway in just overcoming fear in your life is understanding that courage actually breaks a stronghold of fear. And the difference between fear and courage is courage is not the absence of fear. It's actually doing something despite the feelings of fear. And I think that that's a really important discrepancy that we understand the difference between those two things. Because so many times we wait to make movement. We wait to do the exploits of God. We wait to take risks in our lives for that inspired feeling or when we don't actually have any nervousness or there's no fear, there's no feelings of apprehension. And we're like, okay, there's a the moment. That moment sometimes may never come until you actually step through the obstacle, step through the barrier. And when you step through the barrier, you step through the obstacle and you do something simply out of courage and you step through that, that's what breaks the fear. And what's interesting is that the more you do it, the less fear you'll have. And another way to say it is lack of action actually fuels your fear. So if you don't make movement, if there isn't those steps of courage in your life, you'll often stay stagnant in your fear and your That's fear so takes your fear takes a deeper root because of the inactivity, because of our disobedience, because of our insecurity. We actually reinforce fear when we lack courage or we lack the grit or the pursuit to push through. 
You know, really another takeaway is I like to call people, you know, say renew your mind. I actually think it's bigger than that. I actually think we need to renew our soul. Your soul is actually your mind, your will, and your emotions. We need a whole makeover in our soul. And so it's about bringing your soul into agreement with the word of God. Um, Really understanding what we come into a place of agreement that he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. When you step into a place of understanding, he didn't give you that spirit of fear. You're renewing your mind through worship, through prayer, through pleading the blood of Jesus, that enforcing the blood covenant, like I talked about earlier, you're going to renew your mind, your will, and your emotions to come into agreement with your God identity. That's important. Understanding who you are and what you're standing on and who's dwelling within you. So good, Krista. The fourth way to defeat fear is to pray, right? Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Notice it said, do not be anxious, which is where we would get the word anxiety. In other words, don't have anxiety, but in everything by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I, I recognize when I begin to thank the Lord for things that he's already done in the past that I want him to begin to do in my present, it already begins to bring a calmness. It brings a peace. And the more I begin to pray with God, the more I invite Holy Spirit in on exactly what is going on, that invitation also causes me to feel his presence. And the more I feel his presence, the more bold I feel, the less fear I feel. And so what I believe is so important there is as we pray, we're accessing what heaven has made available and we're resisting the spirit of of fear because fear is not just an emotional response. It is a spirit. You know, and the last takeaway for overcoming fear in your life is really recognizing your triggers and create a plan for breakthrough. So what do I mean by that? I think it's important for you to understand what is your trigger. And so there are times in my life where I might be battling fear or worry or anxiety in an area of my life and scrolling through social media is triggering me. That means disconnect, get off social media, or maybe there's a relationship in your life where they say things that trigger you. And I'm not saying cut them out, but you might want to just exclude that topic of conversation from that relationship in order to guard your peace. And so it's recognizing people or situations or platforms that might trigger those those fears, those anxieties in your life, and really being intentional about not engaging with those things that can trigger you. And your plan for breakthrough, what's a plan? Get practical and talk about even make a plan of what if this happens, if this is something that is freaking you out, and it's a real possibility, it's not a hypothetical, you actually face the fears head on rather than the fears controlling you and daunting to you, you actually create a plan for breakthrough. So you dismantle obstacles and fears that feel so big and you make them practical and you give pathways to overcome the things that feel so big. So know that there is always a plan for breakthrough and there's always victory. So when you actually get practical and you eliminate the bigness of the fear, it helps you keep things in perspective because God's going to give you a way even when there seems no way, because the truth is God is bigger than even the fear and anxiety that we might be battling with. Right now, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. I want you to make sure that you subscribe so you can be alerted as soon as new episodes drop as they are dropping every Tuesday. Please rate, review, and refer this podcast to others. Many of you have done that and we read every single review. Also, you can check us out at shawnaschristasmith.com. 
on our website. You can find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We'd love to hear from you guys. So make sure you fill that out and talk to us because we remember we're doing this for you. Hey, next week, you are not going to want to miss because I tell you what, we're having one of my favorite people and there was a great conversation about kingdom justice with Jen Toledo. So tune in next Tuesday. And as always, remember, relief can change your circumstance, but a revelation can change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it